the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. The initial nervous trickle of businesses backing away from Russia has turned into a torrent this week. Those that weren't hit directly by sanctions were left to self-sanction, either on moral grounds or simply out of fear for political or reputational risk. Those left-lifting Russian cargoes at hugely inflated rates are doing so quietly, and in the knowledge that they risk a toxic fallout if accountability comes knocking, either from the regulators or the court of public opinion. The fact that class societies are now extricating themselves from the complex web of Russian beneficial ownership suggests that shipping should probably prepare for the long-term consequences of Russian isolation. If, as we suspect, the Russian register is going to be expelled from IACS, the umbrella body of class societies, that's going to further limit Russian-controlled shipping from being able to maintain their insurance cover and reduce their license to trade. It will also likely hasten those currently wavering with a wait-and-see policy to the door-marked exit. But not everybody in shipping can extract themselves from the risk of war quite so easily. With some vessels now being charged additional double-digit premiums on hull value for war risk cover, to call it Russian ports, the market is crystal clear in terms of how it views the risk presented by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But what about the seafarers caught up in this war? The conflict in Ukraine is having a significant impact on the safety and security of seafarers and shipping in the area. So for this week's edition, we're taking a look at the impact the war is having on crew. As with COVID, seafarers are being exposed to issues not of their making. Several ships have already been hit by rockets. Seafarers have been killed, injured, and crew of all nationalities are currently trapped on ships berthed in ports. As industry bodies collectively argued during an extraordinary meeting of the International Maritime Organization this week, it is of the utmost urgency that their evacuation from these areas of threat should be ensured by those states with the power to do so. The impact upon innocent seafarers and their families cannot be underestimated right now in the short term, but longer term there are also serious consequences to consider here. Russian seafarers account for 10.5% of the total crewing workforce, and Ukrainians total just over 4%. Now, we know that the current situation has already prevented many crew from working, and the current supply chain disruption is set to be compounded by a shortfall in the global shipping workforce due to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So this could yet be the event that sparks a wider crewing crisis, much worse than we've seen before with COVID. To look into these issues and more in a little bit depth, I have drafted in a podcast regular, the Secretary General of the International Chamber of Shipping, Mr Guy Platten. He's here to give us an update on the latest situation and how he sees the impact of Russia's invasion playing out across the global supply chain. I started this week by asking Guy to offer a quick update on the immediate safety concerns he has for the crew that are still stuck inside the war zone. Yeah, thanks. I think it's important that there's, there's, there's a number of elements to this whole crisis that we need to, to unpack, really. But yes, with well over 100 ships still stuck in in the Ukrainian ports, unable to leave, we're really concerned about the safety and the welfare of what is a, a, a international crews on board these ships from many, many different nationalities. And so at the extraordinary meeting of the IMO Council yesterday, as an industry, we came together and put forward a number of asks of governments, really, which as a priority, ships to be allowed to sail 
to, from the ports of Ukraine at the earliest opportunity with that threat of attack. And that was supported by other submissions for these blue maritime corridors to try and get the ships out of there. Those when we can't get the ships out to be able to have some sort of land bridge for the uh, seafarers affected to be perhaps to, to lay the ships up, to get them off the ship and get them to a place of safety. We also called, we were hearing lots of calls of harassment of seafarers due to the nationality, and that's perhaps beyond this, not just within the Ukrainian ports, but beyond elsewhere where we're hearing all of this, that should be condemned. So a whole number of asks we we, we want to, to, to ask, but at the moment, obviously priority, what we do about the, the crews stuck inside the Ukrainian ports now, how do we maintain and, and, and guarantee and get them to be in a safe position, whether that's sailing the ships or getting them off the ships and getting them to a place of safety? As you say, there's a mix of immediate short-term requirements there for safety of crew and ships, but then there's the longer-term consequences that we need to consider. Let's just focus on that immediate question, because as you say, there was an extraordinary meeting of the IMO yesterday. It was a closed-door session, so we won't have seen all of the detail, but you were inside that meeting. How did the industry call for those that eight-point plan that you know looks after the safety of crew and gets the crew out of the danger zones. How did that go down within the IMO? And was there any impression that you got that we're going to see any action there? Well, I, it went down very well, as to be said. I mean, I can't prejudge what the outcome of the council is going to be today, but certainly it, it appeared to be well received by many member states of, 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 of around the world. So we're pleased with that because, you know, our focus at the moment is the priority is, is the is the welfare of our seafarers. Um, whether they are stuck on the ships in, inside Ukraine, in Ukraine, but also the wider picture as well. So I was pleased with the reaction that the paper got. And let's see what happens at uh, the, the meeting today. Mm. And as you say, I mean, we've got crew in the danger zone. I, th I think the ICS numbers pointed out that 10.5% of, of seafarers globally are, are Russian, 4% are Ukrainian. But there are many international crew who are stuck there right now, and we've seen uh, multiple ships being hit by munitions. Seafarers have been killed, injured uh, of all nationalities. They're all trapped in, in ships in the port. Are you getting any sense from your membership that there is, uh, you know, something the industry can do beyond just, as you say, making these submissions and then try and get action at a diplomatic level? I think that's where we are at the moment. It's got to be at the diplomatic level. We've got to only the states concerned can can really do take action here to try and guarantee the you know to get our crews off and safe. So we're working every possibility diplomatic option to make that happen. You know we're, we're realistic about how this will pan out in the short term, but really you know there's a genuine genuine concern from ship owners, ship managers, uh, from the the social partners, the unions as well, about just the safety and the welfare of the crew who are stuck there now. So we're doing everything possible to to lobby, to use diplomatic means to to get them out of danger and into a safe place. And the the, the wider point about Russian and Ukrainian crew is significant, both in terms of the um, problems they are having now on board, as you say, you know, many of them suffering um, the consequences of this international conflict you know, on a daily basis because you know, they are either being refused work or being blocked from work. Um, it, it, it's getting very, very difficult for these crew members to do their job, isn't it? It's accepting a number of different levels. I think firstly, a positive is that many ships sail with both Ukrainian and Russian seafarers officers and we've had very few reports of any trouble, uh, which is which is a positive because we're, we're, we're professionals and, and, and the like. But in terms of how do you pay people? 
you know we know a lot of you know you know how do you actually get money into the 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 hands and the bank accounts of russian seafarers that's becoming very very difficult um how even with ukrainian seafarers it's becoming increasingly difficult as well how do they access the money how do you get the money to their families so these things are day-to-day issues which ship owners and managers are trying to work their way through we we know some countries like cyprus and romania and others are allowing new bank accounts to be set up relatively easily so we can put money into that we're looking at e-wallets and all sorts of different workarounds to be able to pay people because you know that's that's so important we you know in terms of how do people contact their families that communications those link that's they're they're vital day-to-day things which we're we're working at and then the, the longer term as you say is that you know how can we continue employment how do we get people out to go and relieve them on board the ships how do we um you know how are we able to physically employ people going forward with all the sanctions that are in place and and all of this it's absolute you know it, it's it's a, a really really complex and difficult situation and that is undoubtedly going to impact on on the the, the supply chain at, at some point um because you can't just suddenly put at risk 14 and a half percent of the world's seafarer population in terms of employability and, and a lot of these people are highly trained seafarers you can't just replace just like that they're serving on tankers and specialist ships and the like so you know it's a real a real conundrum and a real challenge i mean i suppose the one thing is that we've learned over the last two years how we can talk to each other and, and we've already convening many many calls where we can get together and share best practice and share solutions when someone's got it and people are being very open so uh, perhaps a positive of the COVID crisis is that ability to access those networks very, very quickly, which is which has sprung into to action already, which is uh, which is allowing us to be able to put forward practical solutions. And hence, you know, the eight point plan put forward to the IMO yesterday is mm. a result of these type of things. And, and uh, you know, and we need to keep pushing and making the case for seafarers and uh, and and, you know, uh, and what they do and the vital role they play. This would have been hugely disruptive at any point but this comes after the growing crisis caused by covid it comes as the supply chain crunch is still unraveling across the world there were existing problems this has only exacerbated a lot of those problems and you said yourself you know the extent to which russian and ukrainian crew account for collectively nearly 15 percent of the global workforce that is going to have an impact on supply chain dynamics uh, certainly in the short term but probably going forward um is there a concern that we are going to have uh, an accelerated crewing crisis now as a result of this? I think it's a, it's a, it's a, nothing. Nothing's inevitable in life, of course. No, nothing's inevitable, as we know from the last two and a half years. But I, I can say that there is definitely the potential for a major crewing crisis coming down. At the moment, shipping, as always, is coping. It's resilient. It's a resilient industry. But there's none undoubtedly, you know, you can't just have these seismic shocks without having some impact on the supply chain going on and the impact on the ability to continue uh, trading um, uh, going forward. So, you know, let's hope and pray that there is a, 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 a resolution to this crisis sooner rather than later. Um, but, you know, the longer it goes on, the more difficult things become. Mm. And on that point, I mean, there's the wider implications. We've seen a number of businesses in shipping now step away completely from Russian business, Um, some for legitimate reasons around specific sanctions and the risk to their commercial operations. But in many cases, uh, there's a lot of self-sanctioning going on. This is a series of moving targets that the industry is facing. But there is so much confusion with what is and isn't allowed right now that 
most companies are erring on the side of caution and not doing any business with Russia, or at least monitoring the situation and not taking on any new business. Um, that's seen class start to move away from Russia. That's seen businesses move away from Russia. Even membership organizations are considering their Russian members. Um, how do you think this is going to play out long term if we as an industry are stepping away entirely from Russia? You know, there are consequences, not least in terms of safety here. I mean, we, we, we exactly. We're, we're, we're in a very, we're in new territory, really, um, in terms of these sanctions. I think all of us are trying to get our heads around the complexity of the sanctions and what they actually mean. And you can see why companies would rather err on the side of safety of caution when dealing with them until they have a better understanding. But of course, in terms of, you know, shipping is a global industry. So you take a major player out of, out of their equation and, and, you know, maybe there will be implications for that collegiate approach we take to safety matters within our industry, which has always served us so well in the past. And, and, and let's hope it serves us as well in the future. But it's it is a clearly it's a concern. And, and you know, like everybody, listening to your podcast so you're sort of following the events almost on an hour by hour basis to see what's what's actually going on and what sense we can make of it and that's why it's important like never before that we come together as an industry to try and share the information and and work through solutions or practical workarounds to 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 keep trade flowing and to keep our seafarers employed and to look after their welfare and well-being Russia still actively participating in the IMO, still an active member of the ICS, still engaging diplomatically wherever it can, I take it? Well, we certainly, certainly are an active member of the, the IMO. Um, you know, the, the Russian Chamber of Shipping are, are still a member of, of ICS. You know, we, we, we are very much an international organisation. It's important that we keep lines of communication open as well. You know, um, uh, clearly, you know, we, 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 our concern is about the humanitarian, the impact on seafarers, whether they be in, as you mentioned earlier, you know, the ships being uh, hit by munitions uh, and people being, you know, that we know that that's awful. And we really have to work hard to try and find solutions to these. And, and part of that is to try and, you know, the initial short term is trying to get our international crews out of danger zone in the Ukrainian ports. That, that has to be a priority for us at the moment. And there we shall leave it for another week. I'm going to be back with the wider team of Lloyd's List and Lloyd's List Intelligence analysts next week for another group analysis of how the shipping markets are being hit by the war. In the meantime, if you haven't already checked it out, Lloyd's List has a dedicated Ukraine crisis section on the website, keeping you up to date with all of the latest insight, analysis and commentary, much of which is free to read for the moment, so head to lloydslist.com for details. Do get in touch, richard.mead at informer.com or via Twitter, where you'll find me on at Lloyd's List Ed. Thanks for listening and stay safe.